Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is May 15th, 2019, and there's a lot to talk about. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting really, really antsy. Like, where is this announcement of the indictment? Geez, and I'm sure everybody's on the same page with me. All my sources down in D.C. are like, I don't know what the holdup is. What's going on? Something is brewing, and we just don't know what. And it's not just me. It's many people that know it's already there. Why are we delaying this? So much to talk about the how the mainstream media is trying to push and paint that we are going to war with Iran. We will discuss that, uh, touch upon how now everyone's starting to see, well, you know, no matter how much we hate these tariffs, it looks like it's getting good. But, you know, this origin of the dossier needs to be discussed a little bit. Uh, now that more information is a little bit more public, I think it's safer for me to kind of elaborate on that and talk about John Brennan's tweet. Everyone keeps thinking that John's, John Brennan's tweet is just a plea for help. He's literally told you who the problem is. And then we get to the creeping Sharia point. And the depopulation of American citizens that we talked about three months ago and now the mainstream media and everybody else and their mother is catching up. Because plans don't just tell you they're here. By the time you see a plan that has been implemented, it's way too late. The damage has already been done. The point is how do you mitigate that damage and reverse This is something that I've been talking about for a while. I mean, you know, very long time. Since what? November? Kind of like in November, I was telling you about Venezuela. I was talking about depopulation. And in December, we were talking about what? China and creeping Sharia. And creeping Sharia is something that I've been talking about a lot. And I think it's time we revisit. Now, our president has been um, pretty quiet today. Uh, He's only really tweeted out once, and that's to kind of get into mourning Joe's face and say, yeah, you are right. I do look younger than Joe Biden. And, you know, here's the thing. You know, Joe Biden has had surgery twice, twice, and that was from the late 80s for a brain aneurysm. Yet he's fit for president right now. He wouldn't even be able to pass a simple physical, let alone the physical that is required to be president of the United States. I mean, I don't even know why we don't have one of these physicals and psych checks for, you know, House Speaker, for example, because she's number three. Like, can we get Pelosi checked? 
I'm pretty sure if you give her an orientation type assessment that they do in the hospital, like, what's your name? Where are you? Who's the president of the United States? She'll fail because she'll probably say it's Bush. If you ask her to do a memory test, she'll fail that too. She can't even remember what day it is whenever she speaks. Health. It's pretty interesting, you know, how people don't see what is really being told when they're discussing health and longevity and youthfulness when it comes to senators, etc. It's pretty interesting. So where do we start? Um, I think we should start in something that is, um, that pretty much blew my mind and I ran through it, but there is a high school student that has filed a petition, said to the Supreme court to make a decision, a legal decision on how far public schools are allowed to indoctrinate students in religion, any religion. The facts of this case cannot be disputed. Callie Wood, she's a Christian girl. She was a student uh, in the year of 2014-2015 as a junior at La Plata High School, uh, which is in Charles County, Maryland. To fulfill requirements for graduation, you know, kids have to take civics classes and history classes. So she had to take world history. Part of her world history class was to complete a section on the Muslim world. And she, you know, at that point was exposed to the religion of Islam. No big deal. We're exposed to all of them when we do world history, world religion, whatever, right? But to teach the unit... The instructor, the teacher, the high school teacher, used a PowerPoint slide to describe the Muslim faith. One of the slides, which is factual, so none of this is being disputed, stated that most Muslims' faith is stronger than the average Christian. Now, I don't know how she can make that assessment. I don't know how you can say it was stronger. But I've already said Muslims pray a lot more than Christians. They do. They do it five times a day. And if indeed, you know, their prayers go to the one creator of our existence, so be it, regardless of how they call them. But she claimed that they're stronger. In addition, stronger than Christians. So she, that, that was the problem. She could have said, you know, Muslims pray a lot. They're very devout. Instead, she said they're stronger Their faith is stronger than the average Christian. Now, after taking a look at all this material, Charles County, Mr. Tuttle testified in saying that the statement is denigrating Christianity and was inappropriate and that teachers should not reiterate such information. Now, Callie said that uh, she was required to profess in writing to pass the class that there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. This statement, as we all know, is called Shahada. Basically, Shahada is an Islamic conversion creed. So when you convert to Islam, you claim that he is the only God and the one true God. And you repeat that and pray um, 
that during, uh, you know, the Muslim call, I don't know if any of you have ever heard a Muslim call to prayer, but there it is. And the first pillar of Islam, the Muslim profession of faith. Writing this statement that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is God's messenger violated this young lady's right uh, to her Christian religion, right? To be able to enact as a Christian, to say it by word or by writing that there's no other God except, you know, a Christian God would have been a problem, wouldn't it, guys? So the teachers were telling the students and they categorized the religion of Islam's differently than that of Christianity. The teachers taught the Islamic principles as if they were true facts, while the Christian principles were treated as mere beliefs or fiction. This is, this is a big deal, you guys. Um, this young lady and her classmates were told that the Quran is the word of Allah as revealed to Muhammad in the same way that the Jews and Christians believe the Torah and Gospels were revealed to Moses and the New Testament writers. Now, this young lady was forced to, you know, undergo this promotional Islam class. And uh, they refused to allow her to opt out of it or get an alternative assignment, which made her feel more comfortable. And um, she refused uh, She refused to write down that the Muslim God is the only God. Now, this young lady sued the school stating two things. That the school violated establishment clause of the First Amendment by impermissibly endorsing or advancing the Islamic religion. Second, she says that the school allegedly violated the free speech clause in the First Amendment by requiring her to complete the Jada and depriving her of her right to be free from government compelled speech. Now this is true because in public school, when they force you and say, you want a grade, you have to say this, but they're forcing you to recite or write, you know, any rhetoric of any religion that's enforcing you to make statements And thus, you are not free from government-compelled speech. Let's talk about that for a second. Government-compelled speech. You mean political correctness? You mean what you are allowed to say and not allowed to say? This this verbiage, government-controlled speech, is exactly what hate crimes are. This is why I say that when we see people claiming hate crime, this is a hate crime, you're banned, you're silent, we need to censor you. That is the government controlling what you are allowed to say. That is something that is pretty incredible. I mean, my my first wipeout on my personal, not my business, Twitter account was because I said that abortion was murder. And, you know, that is completely uncalled for, completely horrible. But, you know, this is 2019 and we're in the golden age of our economy, yet we are lacking in freedoms. And we look up to our president asking him to help on that. 
On top of that, today, Jim Jordan tweeted out how they're trying to pass a law. The Democrats are literally trying to pass a law to formulate, you would say, religion the way they want it to. A religious law sanctifying or saving or protecting a specific religion. Which again, is pretty incredible if you think. He tweets, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The so-called Equality Act is a direct attack on people's ability to practice their faith. One more example of today's left. Going completely insane. Hmm. The Equality Act actually has verbiage that would allow Muslims to practice. But it will not allow people to make statements like, Oh my God, Jesus Christ. These are, these are the times we are living in. And we have people like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib in Congress making such bold statements, making such dismissive statements to any other religion other than Islam. And they're not the only ones. See, we seem to think that, uh, you know, this whole thing, this anti Semitic um, wave that we're seeing has amplified. It's always been there. Because like every religion or every group, there's the good and the bad. And so those that are Jewish descent that are not so good are being amplified, even though they're a handful. And they are painting with a broad brush against all Jews. Uh, as they do with Christians as well. Now, for the Muslims, we don't have a handful. We've got a planet full of such actions, of such anger, detest, death, and attacks on anyone who is not a Muslim. And yet we are not allowed to speculate or make any statements as such because it is uh, considered Islamophobic. Yet for every one bad Jew, all of them on the planet must be eradicated according to them is okay because being anti-Semitic is correct. And you know what? Madonna also did it. That crypt keeper. I mean, I don't know who even looks at her anymore. She... um, she made statements about Palestine and there's so much controversy because right now, you know, they're having the Eurovision song concert, which I totally hate. I hate it. It makes absolutely no sense. It's usually singers no one's ever heard of. And, you know, Greece's submission this year is in English, but the video was really pretty creepy Illuminati stuff. Uh, it was super weird. It was uh, creepy. Anyway, so Tuesday, um, they had the semifinals. And then Thursday, they're having the grand, uh, the, the finals. And then, the, you know, the grand finale is on Saturday. And so, you know, obviously, because Israel won last year, uh, they're holding the, you know, the contest there in Israel. So 
what's really weird is that um there are people that are not going in protest because of you know palestine and so madonna is supposed to perform on saturday when the contest ends and there's a winner blah 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 and anti-israel forces which is palestinians are trying to make her cancel her appearance but she said in a very benign statement i'll never stop playing music to suit someone's political agenda nor will i stop speaking out against the violation of human rights wherever in the world they may be she says uh, my heart breaks every time I hear about the innocent lives that are lost in this region and the violence that is so often perpetuated to suit the political goals of people who benefit from this ancient conflict. I hope and pray that we will soon break free from this terrible cycle of destruction and create a new path towards peace. Now, Madonna, who is a relic, who she's 60 years old. I mean, and she's still prancing around, flashing around her front hole and boobs. She's uh, supposedly releasing a new album uh, called Madam X. And, you know, she thought that that would have been, you know, a great place to kind of showcase it. Now, she had, um, people had reported that she was part of like this mystical type uh, Judaism, you know, Kabbalah, uh, Kabbalah, you know, and she would have Kamala water and wear the little red bracelet when it was a fad anyway. But it also notice that, you know, she's buying property in Israel too, according to the Jewish voice. Right. And, um, but the thing is she has this, um, foundation called the ray of light and that actually is one of those weird foundations. Why do they always have these NGOs, right? These foundations that just fund things that sound so creepy and out there. It's supposed to, um, it's, it funds social justice kind of, uh, when I was reading it, it was very confusing. It's like, we're for social justice and empowering women. Uh, but it also uh, funds, okay, Palestinian projects. So Madonna is like funding salaries at the Gaza Strip through the UN and the Palestinian Refugee Agency. And so, you know, she, uh, her foundation also provides loans for agriculture, supposedly, supposedly fair trade association in Palestine. So this was all reported, um, by the Jewish voice. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting, right? Um, but Israel has uh, tried to put forward like a PR thing to squash out any of the boycott of Eurovision uh, because some people are saying that they're not going to come. And a Gaza-based Palestinian Artists Association was the one that called for the boycott. Uh, so Sophia Tan, she's like a musician from Russia, she said she's against cultural washing and the withdrawing of the world's community attention from the Israeli-Palestinian crisis. You cannot host a cultural music event in a place with racist and an apartheid regime. Art and culture should be the messenger for change, not hiding the truth. So, and according to the Independent uh, of the UK, the rock band Alice Wolf have also joined the boycott of this year's Eurovision Song Contest. And um, and 
this band actually said that they they actually accused Israel of weaponizing culture and being serial human rights abusers. So this is a pretty big deal. We're seeing it sweep across the nation, uh, across the nation, across the globe, this attack on Israel. Now, uh, you know, the manifestation of Israel in itself and how the borders were drawn and how they're being expanded, very controversial. And the bottom line is none of us know what's really going on or what's being said. What I can say is someone that I self-proclaim myself, a Middle East expert, is that Israel is in the middle of nations. It is surrounded by nations that loathe Judaism. That's number one. They also have their own nuclear power, so it's not that they can easily just wipe them out and they'll just go away. And having the fact that they were stigmatized by what is stigmatized, I would say they, they're protected because they have been persecuted before, uh, many times, right, throughout history, but most recently by Hitler. It would be very, um, how would I say, it would be a death sentence if any country actually went out full-fledged, you know, crazy on Israel. But also, Israel represents American interests. And that is what is being attacked now. They are surrounded by enemies, like their own, you know, ancient, from the ancient times, enemies. They are in the belly of the beast. And they are being attacked constantly. But, you know, they have a wall so they can keep people out. I'm just saying. We need this wall faster than ever. So... Anti-Semitism running amok throughout the globe and through our nation. We've even seen people on TV talk about and make anti-Semitic comments. We have congresspersons doing that. And yet there are people within the house that are Jews themselves and allow it to perpetuate. There's nothing worse than a self-loathing Jew, right? There's nothing worse than someone applauding the destruction of their own people, of their own heritage, of their own religion. That is 100% on point. Now, shifting a few gears, I think we should start to introduce what I, what I want to talk about. And that's what I want to talk about Durham because I, I see a lot of people saying, oh, him, Barr, Mueller, all friends. Keep this in mind. By no means do I say ever that old guard is, is safe. I have no eggs in any basket being held exclusively for Barr. Mueller was actually targeted by Durham and took down his corrupt Boston FBI. People seem to forget that Mueller first made headlines for his corrupt, dirty, hairy antics in Boston. The point of Durham's announcement, because he wasn't appointed by Barr. I can't believe people are saying that. He was already appointed by Whitaker. He was already appointed. It's just that he was reappointed by the attorney general when he took the title attorney general. And the reason that they made this statement or this leaked out was to let the swamp 
know that there are prosecutors nationwide. Blumenthal's mouth gaped open when he heard Durham because he's thinking, what? In my state? And nobody told me? Yes. Dang, Nick. Yes. No one is telling you. We've had some excellent plumbers come in, and they don't seem to realize that those in state legislation, those in state positions of Connecticut, do not applaud, promote, accept, or perpetuate the agenda of the insane left that seem to coin themselves as Democrats, and that would include the McCain GOP bloc. I've said it again, and I'm going to say it again. The Republican senators, the seven Republican senators, and there's more. There's a few in the House, too, who are on the side of the left, who are under Pelosi's skirt, who align with the agenda, are all going to be revealed, and Brennan, so upset, after going to his grand jury hearings, came out and tweeted out to them. So after the break, I will tell you exactly what that message says because for some reason people say, oh, it looks like you're scared. He's scared. He's already going through discussions. He knows there are three different grand jury investigations going to see if they can bring on a grand jury indictment. He's done. He's toast. He orchestrated everything because he was the puppet master. Right, right, John. But his message wasn't that of fear. It was that of, you better do something because you're going down with us. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back to the Tori Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. So what we were talking about is creeping Sharia and, uh, you know, just in general, how things are working out. I wanted you guys to listen to the insanity these Democrats are pushing. Uh, I wanted to play the clip from uh, Cuomo on CNN where Alyssa Milano was talking about her sex strike. This is hilarious. You need to listen to it. And you need to see how Chris Cuomo was actually flirting with Alyssa Milano. Um, Just take a listen. It's hilarious. Let's play this here. Heartbeat bills and more extreme measures popping up, restricting abortions to often before women even know that they're pregnant. Just today, Alabama's Senate began considering a bill that would effectively ban abortion entirely. But... What matters is the process. Take a look at who's doing this and how. What's the one time the bill allows? When the woman is known to be pregnant. When she's known to be pregnant. Yes, sir. <laughs> so she has to take a pregnancy test. She has to do something to know whether she's pregnant or not. You can't know that immediately. Take some time for all those chromosomes and all that that you mentioned. What happened? Happened immediately. You hear the laughter in the chamber, right? Not going to be a lot of laughing. Laughing if a law like that gets to the Supreme Court and they change the reckoning of Roe v. Wade. Alyssa Milano says desperate times call for desperate measures and has just called for a sex strike to fight back. She recently launched a podcast that's called "Sorry Not Sorry," and here's what she says matters now. Alyssa Milano, thank you for being on primetime. Thank you for the opportunity. So let's talk about what you've called for, the sex strike. What do you (laughs) hope for with this, and what's been the reaction? Really, my hope was to raise awareness for the 16 bills that are happening all over our country that are trying to roll back women's rights. Um, And I I think the tweet alone was able to do that. Uh, The reaction has been mixed. Um, I think some people took it 
extremely seriously. Um, but my purpose for sending out that tweet was simply uh, I felt like these these bills were being ignored um, and sending out that tweet. Look at me now. I'm, I'm on your show and we're talking about uh, women's rights and how they're being rolled back. That is true, although in fairness. I asked you on before, and I would love to have you on again. I wasn't just drawn by this <laughs> as, as bait. But just to clarify the record for anxious men all over this country, um, is the, the strike something that you want to see, or is it just about awareness? I think it's about awareness. Um, you know, I think that we need to take this incredibly seriously. Uh, these bills are ridiculous. A lot of them are, uh, you know, in, mm -hmm. in Georgia. Um, Heartbeat if, bill. The heartbeat bill, uh, basically criminalizing abortion after six weeks. Most women don't know they're pregnant uh, before, you know, eight weeks. I, I was eight weeks pregnant before I found out. So basically we're criminalizing abortion there after six weeks. In Ohio, there's this weird stipulation where if you have an ectopic pregnancy, they actually want to take the pregnancy out and reinsert it into the uterus. Why is that ridiculous? Because that procedure actually does not exist. I really wish that procedure existed when I had an ectopic. Um, and yes, there are experimental procedures uh, that are attempting that. I just wanted to chime in on that. But did you guys see how they flirted? Listen to her final statement. At all. Um, Texas, they, they're, they actually had a hearing where women can be given the death sentence, the death penalty. Um, if she gets an abortion, these are, these are serious these are serious bills, although absurd, and the reason why they are absurd is because they're going to end up in court. And why is that important? Because eventually one of these cases will end up in the Supreme Court. And remember what I said about this. Do you remember what I said months ago? That this is exactly what we want. We're not going to go after Roe versus Wade. They are. They are going to take it to the Supreme Court. And maybe Alyssa Milano is listening to my show and knows this. But they're, they're falling into the trap themselves. Listen, I get it. She says she didn't know she was pregnant until she was eight weeks. Guys, with my first pregnancy, I didn't know I was pregnant until I was four months pregnant. I was pregnant with twins. I had no belly. Yeah, my hips felt a little bit wider, and I should have known. Uh, but, you know, biologically, everything was working fine, and I didn't know. But even when I found out then, at the young age of 21, there was no way I would even think of committing murder. Even if I was six weeks long, I wouldn't do it. Ever. So her argument for me is null and void. Life comes above all. Um... Like I tweeted this weekend for Mother's Day weekend, I went and saw the movie Unplanned. I went with my youngest daughter, uh, who's 13, and all she could do is she was just in shock. And she remembers, and I say it all the time, that on a rotation that I had with um, OB, you know, we were told to observe and assist and execute an abortion. I refused. I didn't care if I failed. I refused. I didn't care if I got a low, you know, uh, score on my rotation. I didn't care. I got a z big fat zero. I didn't care. Besides, when I was going through school, like I wanted to look at front holes all the time. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how people do it. Uh, you know, <laughs> just saying. But the abortion portion of it is so horrid. 
I remember when I was pregnant, and this is personal, but this is this is reality. Uh, in 2013, with two little boys, I didn't know I was pregnant until I was far along again because I just thought, oh, I haven't been laying off those Twinkies. This is why my stomach's like this, and I, you know, and I, my stomach was distended, and I was like, well, it's because I've been eating a lot of this chicken. I should have noticed that I had a thing for Hawaiian grill. <laughs> I should have. But I remember thinking to myself when, um, you know, I lost, you know, them at 21 weeks and it was really, really hard how these were little people and how people just disregard them like that. Obviously I, I took them and, and buried them myself because I didn't want them being sold. And, and, and these are little human beings that people just toss away and sell. We need to understand just how many souls die every day in our nation, in these clinics of Planned Parenthood and of women that do not take responsibility for the actual consequence of having sex. If you have sex, the purpose of copulating is to reproduce. So you cannot say, well, I don't want the consequence Uh, I don't want to reproduce. There are many ways that you can establish birth control. Sometimes, God permit, those do not work. Just like in my first one, it didn't work. And I was pregnant. That is something huge, you guys. Huge. I remember the one time that I thought that I might have, you know, gotten pregnant when I was younger and I remember going to the doctor the next day and said, Oh, you know, um, yeah, take this pill the next day, the next day. Okay. Not like two weeks later, not five weeks later, take this pill guys. I can tell you, I didn't take it because I was thinking, well, well, what if it's already happened? What if it's been conceived? Because that's how boys are conceived. Just so you guys know, did you know that? That boys are conceived immediately because male um, sperm that create males um, cannot survive. Girls are usually the ones where it's like hanging out for a couple days and then it, you know, fertilizes the egg, just so you know. So I actually thought of that. And, you know, I was 19 at the time and I was like, you know, if, if God says so, if that soul is supposed to be here, it's not my thing. But I was relieved that I, I, I hadn't had a child at that time. I was okay. Um, but, you know, it's a consequence and we all have to live with it. But what I'm trying to put forward to you guys is these are human beings. These are lives. These doctors that perform these abortions are literally committing murder. Murder. Because that child didn't ask to come here. It came here. Through divine intervention or through just good old-fashioned copulation, it's here. No one has the right to terminate a life. You know, I say it all the time. If I had listened, and I was 16 weeks, remember that, to my commanding officers, to my family members that were urging me to have an abortion, even though I was so far along. Uh, You know, we as Americans right now wouldn't feel protected. We'd be less one soldier because my daughter is an active duty in the U.S. Army. We would be less one soldier that may contribute a lot 
to our, you know, generations to come. Every single person plays a part. And you have to think about that. You really have to think about that. Think of, you know, all these barrels of human, and I put it in air quotes, waste of aborted children where there's thousands of them in one of these bio containers. Those are a thousand souls. One of them could have found the cure to cancer. One of them could have, uh, you know, uh, created clean, free energy. One of them could have, you know, been the president of the United States again. I'm just saying. I don't see how in 2019 we have people advocating for murder and murder of those that are the most innocent. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear it. I have friends that worked at abortion clinics. I have friends that have had abortions. Like, yeah, it wasn't convenient. I didn't want to be tied to them forever. And it, but it's like, no, you should have thought of that when you did it. And how can you work at an abortion clinic? Well, we're helping people not ruin their lives. My life wasn't ruined. It was actually enriched. It was a little bit more difficult being young and, you know, having a child out of wedlock. It was, but I was okay with it because that was a little human being. It's a really touchy subject for me. And, 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 you know, a lot, it's very controversial and people don't like to touch it, but the bottom line is it's murder. That's the way it is. And people don't like to hear it. It is murder. And we are allowing for murder. And this is how desensitized we are as a nation. Because they have taught us to not reproduce. It's better that you just go out and you live your life and you're so young. I mean, I see it in my friends and family. I guess maybe it's like a Greek thing too. But like my, I was talking to my cousin, right? He's pushing 40. He's pretty good looking. He's very good looking actually. And, you know, we were talking and, you know, he just came to the States, um, for my little sister's wedding and he, uh, and we were talking and I was like, yo, so how do you, what do you think about our hometown? You know, you like New York, whatever. And he was like, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I was like, dude, when are you going to like have kids? Your kids are going to be playing with my grandkids. Like what's going on here? He was like, oh, I'm young again. See, men, for some reason, it's different from men than women. It obviously is because women just can't reproduce after a certain age. But it's the way we've been brought up that career comes first, that we got to think financials. We got to think money. Do we have enough money to have a child? Can we have a child? Can we afford it? Should we do it? Oh, I've got my royal oaths to soak. There's so many women out there. Why do I want to tie myself down? These are all things that they've conditioned us to do, and hence the drop in fertility. I mean, I went through this whole thing of the depopulation, right? I've told you that our uh, the way we're reproducing, even with all these migrants in here, is uh, what environmentalists, and you know, I guess TJ Spooky would be able to talk on this more because he actually has a degree in env- environmental science. But I remember when I was taking grad level courses on ecology and not so much tree hugging stuff, but ecology is sustainability, uh, to be able to do the math and understand when a species will survive or not. So if the American population was a species, the ratio of birth that we have right now indicates that we are going extinct, that we do not have enough to even replace us because it should be at 2.1 and it's at 1.7. And I said that three months ago, everyone's talking about it now. And here's the thing. 
like I said, that was the whole point. Oh, we need migrants because they're going to bring more kids and they're going to give workers. It's a replacement strategy, just like they did in Europe. And I've said it before. This is why I say this is an invasion. It's an invasion bringing in people that are culturally um, attuned to have at least three children. Because they are replacing the population with a different type of population until everyone is just the same. I can't explain it otherwise without sounding kind of bigoted. But it's not that I'm saying, oh, all of them will be Central American. They're all going to be vanilla. That's the point. The point is that all of them are going to be vanilla. All of them are going to be thinking the same way with government-controlled speech and the same attributes, aspirations, and devout, I would say, devout, uh, they would be very devoted to the government. How's that? They would be very devoted to the government. So it's pretty interesting to see how we're moving ahead in that direction and how, um, you know, the censorship coupled with the conditioning, coupled with the lifestyles that they're pushing forward. I mean, you know, people are feeling younger. I mean, I'm 40, man. I feel I feel super young. I do. I, I feel young. I feel like I could still go to a nightclub and rock it. I feel like I can go jet skiing and, you know, safari. And me and my husband were joking the other day. We were like, wow, one kid's out. The other one's leaving in five years. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Guess what? We'll be one of those couples that actually goes on a safari in Africa and we can actually run from the lions because <laughs> we still have our youth. I'm just saying. So, uh, you know, people need to understand that this was all part of the plan. The conditioning of making people feel like, oh, you can put that off and then making it okay, you don't need to reproduce, you know. And because we've been conditioned as such, those people that had actually met their partners for life or had that opportunity at an earlier age, table that and passed on it to come to it now because that's how we were conditioned. I, I can't explain it otherwise. And abortions, of course, are playing a big part because people do not have to reproduce anymore. Um, so it's pretty interesting. Now, I wanted to um, play a clip on this um, whole ideology of speech and how things go uh, that Ocasio was called out uh, during um, a speech. She was talking about free speech and fascism, and she wanted to criticize what President Trump said about Ilhan Omar, which, by the way, has advocated for abortion, which is actually not allowed in Islam. So that's just another form of taqiyya. But um, I wanted you to see how people are starting to wake up and starting to call these people out for who and what they are. Uh, you know, basically, you know, she was trying to make the notion that what President Trump did was hate speech, criminalizing speech, I guess. And then uh, that he's inciting violence or it's an, you know, when you incite violence, that's a crime, right? So, for example, me saying that abortion is murder, according to the Twitter terms and conditions, that's inciting violence and, and hateful conduct, criminalizing my free speech statements. Now, Ocasio-Cortez was trying to criminalize what the president said, basically criminalizing him for condemning anti-Semitism that was purported by Ilhan Omar and also criticizing him by, you know, 
tweeting out things about North Korea and that he was inciting violence. Uh, take a listen. I don't think that the president should have tweeted that video that he tweeted. Do I think he should have gone to jail for it? Absolutely not. But I don't think he should have done that. I think that by endangering Congresswoman Omar, uh, he was playing with this line. And well, I disagree. She endangered herself. Okay, that's not endangerment. I'm showing the truth. So showing the truth is endangerment. It's inciting violence to show the truth. That is fascism. Well, sir, I don't think anyone's trying to ban that speech. His right to show the truth of what happened is just as valid as her right is. to say whatever she wants and to sir, say. And sir, that's why he's not being, that's why there's no charges being brought be up. Be criticized him. by you as though there should be charges. No, no, I don't think, I don't think there should be charges. I don't, yeah, I don't want to make sure he's terrified. inciting violence against her. I think he is. That's absurd. You cannot incite violence. Yeah, well, inciting I think Inciting violence is illegal. So she was trying to say that what the president was saying was criminal, but then she was backtracking saying, no, I wasn't, but she was. And so what we're seeing is, is that uh, the more we call them out, the more they backtrack their statements. They back the, they backtrack, uh, they reassess what they're going to say. They say, oh, you misconstrued it. It was really like this. Um, and they try to keep it, I guess, under wraps. Uh, kind of like when we're talking about children uh, being at risk for sex trafficking. There's a reporter that actually said that that's bullcrap. And I want you guys to listen to this because what you need to listen to is what they're telling you um, and how they are mocking uh, the actual facts. Because the one thing they don't want is facts to be acknowledged as what they are, facts. And so it's 77 year old billionaire Robert Kraft is accused. We've all heard that New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft was caught in a sex trafficking sting. Women at the spas were lured into the sex trade. They were women who were from China, who were forced into sex slavery. We're told it happens all the time. Thousands of children are raped every day. Sex trafficking, a growing problem. But that's not true, says reporter Elizabeth Nolan Brown. In Robert Kraft's case, they had all of these big announcements at first saying that they had bust up an international uh, sex trafficking ring and these women were being forced there and they weren't allowed to leave. This is not about lonely old men or victimless crimes. This is about enabling a, a network of criminals to traffic women into our country for forced labor and sex. But now prosecutors concede there was no sex trafficking. And that's typical. I'd say 99% of the headlines are not true. Sex trafficking and prostitution are just sort of used interchangeably. We're here to rescue people that need to be rescued. Police routinely claim they rescue women. They say we rescued these women and by rescue they put them in jail and give them a criminal record. The victims are the sex workers themselves who are getting harassed and um, you know, locked up in cages by the cops. Agents arresting at least 14 suspects. Being arrested doesn't help you. These women chose to be sex workers. I wasn't mm -hmm. coerced. It was something that I actively wanted to do. But the cops call it sex trafficking. You were trafficked. Yeah, they t call a lot of things trafficking, the drug trafficking, the immigration trafficking. Celebrities perpetuate the myth. Today, you can go online and buy a child for sex. It's as easy as ordering a pizza. Human trafficking is the fastest growing illegal business in the world. 
if that was the case, cops would be able to find this all the time. Cops wouldn't be having to go to these elaborate, doing these elaborate stings. Florida police spent months taking down the Robert Kraft spa. They had Homeland Security involved. They were following these women around to grocery stores, watching them buy condoms. They were going through their trash and analyzing their trash. If this was really a situation where these women were being forced and sexually assaulted multiple times a day, the cops just, just let it happen for months on end? The women were trafficked. In case after case, police call the women sex slaves. These women are true victims. I actually talked to one of the sheriffs who was interviewed there, the first one, John Urquhart, and he ended up saying, well, you know, I mean, maybe they weren't being forced by, by whatever, but we're all trafficked by something, and there was money involved. And then by the end of the investigation, they were like, well, I mean, they were pressured because they didn't know a lot of people and they wanted to make money. The implication is with the number of men and the number of hours that this couldn't have been voluntary. I read through all of the court documents involved in this, and it actually paints a very, very different story. The documents, as usual, made reference to prostitution. The women apparently were willing. We wanted to rescue them out of that horrible life. They're on a moral cruise. So now, this is what the Democrats do. They take something that was pure prostitution, because you can't say, oh, the stripper was trafficked to strip. In in some cases, they do, though, right? Especially the foreigners. They take away their passports. They have strange holds on them. They beat them. They starve them. They lock them up. They're like, yeah, you can have an apartment. They're down on their luck, and they abuse them like they do drug addicts. You want some? You give me some. You know, there is. That is trafficking. But, you know, if you're a prostitute and you just like to have sex for money, I mean, whatever, right? Or if you're a stripper and you like to dance for money, whatever. But this is what they're doing. They're minimizing things. Like an abortion, they're minimizing murder. And here, they're minimizing sex trafficking. Oh, and by the way, just before we break... In the United Kingdom, an MP actually called to lower the age of consent to 10. Just the other day. Lower the age of consent to 10 years old. So now a 10-year-old child that is losing their milk teeth can give consent to have sex. This is creeping Sharia. This is how they change your moral compass and they eradicate facts and provide you an alternate reality. A government-imposed reality, government-imposed speech, because speech is what? A product of thought. This is how they change your minds. After the break, we'll get into some domestic shenanigans. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic. Unfiltered news.
Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. Now, I was going to continue talking about Baker, Comey, and Durham in the second hour, but I'm really excited because a listener sent me a link, and all eyes on Doug Collins, like I've said before. You know, a lot of people are like, well, Q said pay attention. I guess we're not all paying attention. Uh, And it looks like whenever um, we drop, that's the only time people listen. And, and, And it's pretty sad. Uh, that there have to be drops in order for people to listen uh, and listen carefully and remember. I want to read you guys a transcript from October of 2018. Now, I had said that Durham was appointed by Whitaker. And so this one indicates that Durham was appointed by someone else. And I still think it's Whitaker. Even though Whitaker was not acting attorney general, he was working as the chief of staff for Sessions. So... Um, you know, the information that I have is that Whitaker first appointed Durham and it could have been his chief of staff, uh, assigning this prosecutor, but I'm going to read to you guys, uh, the questioning of, uh, Mr. Baker, for those of you that don't have Twitter and are listening to me at work or are driving, uh, take a listen. So I'll start off where, uh, representative Jordan says, um, Uh, Okay, I'm going to move to another subject here. Tell me about your relationship with David Korn. Mr. Baker says, Korn? Yeah. David's a friend of mine. Jordan, tell me about that. A close friend? Longtime friend? Mr. Baker says, a longtime friend. Longtime friend. When did you first meet Mr. Korn? Asked Jim. Mm, James Baker says, I don't specifically remember. A long time ago, though. Years ago? Years and years and years ago. Yeah. Our kids carpooled together. We carpooled with them. Uh, when our kids were little. Oh, so with this journalist, you carpooled. Great. So you live in the same neighborhood? Live in the same city. Yeah, so you carpool when you live in the same city. All right, Jordan says, how often do you talk with Mr. Korn? Uh, Every few months or so. How about in, I think you probably know where I'm headed, how about leading up to just prior to the election of the presidential election of 2016? How many times did you talk with David Korn in the weeks and months prior to election day? Baker says, I don't remember. Jordan says, all right, is it fair to say you did? Baker says, yes, I did, uh, but I just don't remember how many. And uh, Jordan says, and did you talk to Mr. Korn about anything that the FBI was working on, specifically the now infamous Steele dossier? And here is where, cue music, James Baker's lawyer intervenes and says, one second. And then his lawyer says, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut. Not let him answer these questions right now. You may or may not know he's been a subject of a leak investigation, which is still a criminal leak investigation that's still active at the Justice Department, so I'm cutting off. Jim Jordan says, well, can you speak more of in the mic there? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm cutting off any discussion about conversations with reporters. And Jim Jordan says, based on what? Mr. Meadows says, you're saying he's under criminal investigation. That's why you're not letting him answer. And his lawyer, Baker's lawyer, says yes. And Meadows asks, and so you're saying that you're not going to take the fifth. And his lawyer says, no, I'm saying I'm not letting him answer the questions. This is a voluntary. And Meadows says, that's not the prerogative. 
And the lawyer says, well, it's a voluntary interview now, so it is. So Meadows says, so what you're saying is in order to answer Mr. Jordan's questions, he's going to have to be subpoenaed. And his lawyer says, I'm saying I'm not going to let him answer the question now. If you choose to subpoena him, that's obviously your right. So Jim Jordan restated, just to clarify for us, your counsel is advising Mr. You, you, you are counsel advising Mr. Baker not to answer that question because of not because of it's classified, not because of any classification concerns, but because there's an ongoing investigation by whom? And the lawyer says the Justice Department and Jim Jordan says, I mean, is the inspector general looking at this or is this the lawyer says, no, no, it's Mr. John Durham, a prosecutor. Jordan says, Mr. Huber, Durham, Durham. Oh, say it again. John Durham. All right. Did you talk to Mr. Corn prior to the election about anything? What? What was that? What was that? What was that, guys? So John Durham, like I said, when people were like, he was appointed, I was like, no, it was like a long time ago. I knew that Whitaker appointed him. And so someone who stumbled upon this said, hey, uh, you were wrong. It's not Whitaker. And I'm thinking, you know what? You're right. Sessions was there. But then I'm thinking, well, the chief of staff would actually be the one parsing through and um, getting prosecutors. And, and, you know, Whitaker was a U.S. attorney. So, hey, we don't know, but we can thank Stealthy Sessions, who has taken a lot of heat from the president, but was always working on this in the background. So that's pretty huge, guys. That is a massive indication of just how long they say this is why they're so insane this is why they had Mueller drag his feet and this is why they've been pushing oh my oh me oh my i can't wait to go through all 150 pages uh to this whole uh baker testimony myself but that is very interesting i might have to say uh that wow Good job, Jeff Sessions. Thank you, Doug. It seems that eyes on you are perfect. And I didn't know that it was nestled in there. I mean, I knew that he was appointed way before AG, and the reappointment by the AG was the issue. So they've been under investigation for a while. The grand jury, so just so you know, the way grand juries work is the prosecutors go with all this information, And then the grand jury decides if they will have, if there's enough to have a grand jury indictment. So these discussions go on for a while. Because at a grand jury, you can indict a ham sandwich. The ham sandwich can't talk, can't speak, can't walk. But what you can do is demonstrate just how important it is uh, to get an indictment. And usually the evidence that you bring forward may be circumstantial and they need things that are a little bit more concrete. So they'll Skype in witnesses or fly them in. Um, and the process is uh, pretty different. It's usually just the prosecutor, not really a judge, um, like a moderator and the grand jury panel. And they ask questions. Uh, sometimes they submit these questions in writing. Other times they ask you right there on the spot. Um, sometimes, um, having been, uh, subpoenaed as a witness to a grand jury trial, I can tell you, um, that one that I was recently at, um, 
I uh, was asked questions and, uh, hey, you investigated this and you had this, show us this. And I did, um, but I wanted them to look at something else. So obviously, as a very smart person, I um, inclinate to that. And as I uh, go outside of the room to allow them to deliberate and talk and ask questions to the prosecutor and whatever, I'm waiting for the car to be, you know, to get like the sign off that I'm done um, and a car to be sent uh, to take me to the airport. And lo and behold, they call you back and they're like, hey, so you mentioned this. Do you have that? Sure, here, I can email it, like blah, blah, blah. Or here's the paper. Because, you know, witnesses are always prepared, especially when you're testifying against really big people. You want to make sure you have all your guns. So, um, so grand juries are pretty interesting. They can go on for months, uh, discussing back and forth. And then when an indictment comes out, uh, sometimes the jurisdiction needs to change. Uh, and that's because jurisdiction has to fall to where it is allowed. Now with individuals such as James Comey and James Baker and Brennan, and we'll get to Brennan's tweet, um, in just a few, uh, they have to be, this is all done at the Eastern district of Virginia. That is where every single soldier, uh, federal employee, spook, you name it, always goes to trial. It is one of the most sealed areas. You know, you would think that a court that has, you know, most court martials that go through that area and um, such high profile cases that they'd have a better website. But they don't, and that's purposeful. So people can't see uh, what is going on and how to access it. So... What's interesting is, is that uh, since October of 2018, James Baker has, is, and understands to know that he was under a criminal investigation. And this criminal investigation was pending and being done by his prosecutor assigned to his case, which is Don Durham. And remember, a lot of people like to say that, you know, John Durham is friends with Barr. He's friends with Mueller. He's really not. He's friends with no one. He looks like someone out of the 1800s that really uh, freaks you out. And um, (laughs) he looks like one of those old painted pictures of those stern uh, people that were burning witches to the stake. He looks like what my 1700s nightmares would be made of. Anyway, um, so we've got them tied, hogtied, really. And how you can realize this is because John Brennan threw his buddies under the bus. His tweet threw them under the bus. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, sounds like you're scared. Yeah, he is scared. He knows he's uh, he's been under investigation for a long time and he's in trouble. But let me analyze his tweet since I know John so well. Senator Graham and his ilk bear responsibility for damage being done to our national interest. So who is Senator Graham? Lindsey Graham, corrupt clown of South Carolina, which I can tell you in 2020 will not be running again. And his ilk bear responsibility and damage being done to our national Who's his ilk? Huh. Let me let me name a few of his ilk from a very old article from 2013. Let me just pull this up. Where are we? So it is the McCain clan. 
It's the seven GOP members that I've been talking about. It is those people that you need to understand who they are. And they were all Harry Reid's favorite people. According to this article from Politico from back in 2013, the named GOP block of senators that were discussing with Schumer and Reid in regards to some nuclear option at the time are as follows. Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, John Hoven of North Dakota, Kelly Iode from New Hampshire, and Lamar Alexander and Bob Corker from Tennessee, along with Schumer. Now, these are these um, Republicans are only four out of the seven. Well, one, two, three, five out of the seven. The other two obvious choices we're not going to reiterate, but they're all there. And you know what's funny? is that these snakes, these old guard clowns, these McCainists, this GOP block, this clique in the Senate, will say great things. They will say lovely things. They will say patriotic things. But it's their actions you need to look at. So we have... Uh, let's say, for example, Lindsey Graham. He's all about patriotism and transparency, yet he's finding alternative avenues in order to be able to get a hold of Mueller information for the Senate, of course. John Hoven, such an advocate for patriotism, such a Republican, loves his farmers. He's like, we're getting $15 billion for our farmers. So awesome. Well, what are the protections so there's no funny business with $15 billion? Oh, we really don't have any checks and balances. We'll just do our best. Uh-huh. What you need to do is pay attention to their actions and what they do. Like, for example, John Hoven in North Dakota signed off all adoption and elderly, so both vulnerable populations, children and elderly, to Lutheran Social Services, who also, thanks to John Hoven, are allowed to bring unaccompanied minors from other countries as refugees. So they import these ISIS jihadi children and they bring them into our state. And there's like checks and balances to make sure that their age is what they say they are. Someone can be 15 and say, I'm 10. And that's what they take as face value. I'm just telling you guys, what you don't see is that there are so many snakes in our garden And they're all green, so we can't see them. They're hiding. But they come out. And this is how they come out. Because they get thrown under the bus by the people that are scared the most. When is John Brennan going to call him out with name? I mean, he called out his ilk, which is his team. Everybody knows who the team is and who he rolls with. Continuing on his tweet, he says... Being done to our national interests at home and abroad by acquiescing to Mr. Trump's incompetence, corruptions, and malevolence. So you're destroying everything domestically, you guys. Wake up. You're on our team. Graham, collect your people and get this done because you're going to go down with us. Do it. But Graham's already cut a deal, John. The deal is he's going to put up or shut up, even though he's trying underhandedly to pass legislation like let's fix the elections. 
Don't worry, guys. I'm still on the old guard deep state team. I just have to be very careful because I've got all eyes on me. These Americans are such idiots. They believe I'm a great guy, but I'm going to pass this legislation and make sure they can't vote for Trump again in 2020. And in 2024, we'll have control again. By 2024, the majority of these people will be dead. But this is what Lindsey Graham is thinking. Americans are so stupid they forget. They'll just be like, yeehaw, because they say one thing. But then on the other side, I'm stabbing people in the back. We need to stay diligent. We need to pay attention to the facts. We see Sessions being thrown under the bus. Sleepy Sessions, sleepy this. Pay attention to his actions. He's okay with it. He's okay with the president throwing him under the bus because then then it throws the scent off. Yeah, uh, Sessions wasn't doing it well enough. You think Whitaker was by chance? Please. Barr was by chance. Every, 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 every corrupt clown has their task and they are required to provide assistance where we need them john brennan knows that he's upset globally what he's built is being torn down and he asks who will shun political expedience and do what's right who among you is wise and understanding you mean who's going to be crowned king now that all of you have been desecrated is that what you're saying who wants to take the torch and go on because we can't get to bar. And so we don't know what he's doing. We need backup. This is what he was saying with his tweet, but people aren't paying attention. He's calling out the swamp monsters. Look who's surrounding Lindsey Graham. Look at the people always in communication. And this look, look, this task to take a look is not just to the people of the United States, but you, Senator who are listening to this right now, who may be a freshman, who may be incoming from Congress into Senate, you need to pay attention to the details. Because if you don't pay attention to the details, you'll be pulled down with them. And Brennan knows his time is a ticking. And he doesn't have much of it either, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. So... So what we learned today from just that simple transcript from Doug Collins is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, Is that Sessions actually did some really good stuff. I I still think it's it's Whitaker in the background, but he did some awesome stuff. Um, And Jim Jordan has known this for a while, which is pretty weird because... We didn't hear him reiterating it, right? He didn't he he didn't reiterate it. Now, this broke now. Why? Because it's coming. And I wanna say, okay, I wanna play a clip from Laura Ingram where um they're discussing how Barr taps US attorney to investigate Russia probe origins panel reaction and analysis on Ingram angle. And you see DeGeneva and Jordan say it, that Barr is tapping him. But as you see from the transcript, it's done in 2018, and I'm telling you, it was done by the chief of staff to Sessions, which was Whitaker. So in essence, it was Sessions because he was the boss there. My sources say it was Whitaker, like I said a couple days ago. And when people were like, oh, my gosh, he appointed him. I'm like, he's been appointed, dude. 
But, you know, you can't talk about it unless it's already out in the open or else you get called. And what kind of inside information do you get? Who's leaking stuff to you? We need to know. Uh, and this is why people are very careful who they provide information to. Um, and this is why Q has uh, slowed down a little bit because there's a lot of animosity there. But I also noticed that there's a lot of only Q is right, everybody else is wrong, when, when Q, his whole point was to bring it to the mainstream. Let's be honest. He wanted people to ask questions. He wanted it to come out. And he was giving guidance. They were giving guidance to people to look, to pay attention. And, you know, sometimes we have to point people directly in the direction to know where to look and find the evidence. Let's take a listen to what DeGeneva says on Comey, Clapper, and Brennan. All right, joining me now with Reaction, former U.S. Attorney Joe DeGeneva, House Oversight Committee Ranking Member Jim Jordan, and former Deputy Independent Counsel Robert Ray. Doesn't get better than this tonight. Joe, what does the impressive scope of this new probe uh, initiated by Barr tell us tonight? Uh, James Comey, Brennan, and Clapper have said to themselves, which one of us is going to pay the Barr bill? The Barr bill is coming due. And... Durham's appointment means that the already occurred meetings between the attorney general, the CIA director, and the director of national intelligence have now focused on a laser that the core of this conspiracy began with John Brennan and ends with John Brennan in London and D.C. and the Democratic National Committee. This is very serious business, and for the first time, I now believe some of these guys are going to go to prison. Wow. Um, you mentioned Brennan tonight. And oh, yeah. Congressman Jordan, we got some profound sound uh, from both Brennan and Clapper. This was Brennan today explaining what's going on with this new probe. Let's watch. It went through a rigorous due process within the Department of Justice, the FBI. It was approved by the FISA court. It went through all of those steps. What they're trying to do is to uncover something that they will misrepresent as being part of this deep state effort to try to undermine Donald Trump's election. It was all copacetic, Congressman. It was That's approved, what he to blame. went through the FISA court. The, you're investigating the investigators. It's an embarrassment. You heard it. No, he used the term uh, misrepresent. The only misrepresentation is what they did with the, with the dossier in front of the FISA court, where they didn't tell the court who paid for the document. They didn't tell the court that the guy who wrote it, Christopher Steele, was desperate How serious to is Trump. this tonight? I mean, and this, the other networks are poo-pooing this no, thing. No, no, no. This, this is, is fantasy land for conservatives. I think this is very serious. I think it's Bill Barr doing what he said. Remember, when he was in front of the Senate Finance Committee four weeks ago, he said he was serious about putting together a team to get to the bottom of this. He said there was a four key things. There was a failure of leadership at the upper echelon of the FBI. We know that's true. He said spying took place. He said it twice. He said there's a basis for his concern about the spying that occurred. Right. And finally, the two terms he used, I said this last week in the committee hearing, he used two terms that should scare every single American. He said uh, unauthorized surveillance mm. and political surveillance. Those things are not supposed That's to happen. That's what China does. Exactly. Joe, you and I talk. This, this is country. what China does. This is what the Russia does. They're, they're, uh, uh, Robert Ray, I've got to get you in on this because they're accusing, they accuse Trump of basically spooning with Vladimir Putin to get, to get elected. Okay? And yet, yet they use uh, autocratic, dictatorial means to surveil the Trump campaign to get the information that they claimed was going to be there. Of course, it not, never was there. And now we have the DNI involved and we have the CIA involved with a man as serious as Bill Barr. He was not cowed one bit 
by what they tried to do to him last week, was he, Robert? Well, Congressman Jordan is right. I mean, this isn't a question about whether the procedural steps were followed. This is a question that first is exploring bias and whether that had an impact on what was or wasn't disclosed to the FISA court, which, to answer your question, Laura, is a serious issue. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a case in the Supreme Court about this Franks versus Delaware, which uh, all prosecutors and agents are, are familiar with. And it's a serious question now that's going to be explored by a prosecutor, after all. This is not duplicative of Michael Horowitz's investigation because the IG doesn't have prosecutorial authority to actually bring charges. But in this instance, now as the result of Bill Barr's appointment, uh, there is going to be an investigation, the purpose of which is to determine whether or not any crimes were committed, which is Joe DeGeneva's point. Uh, crimes committed. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. th this is... This is now explaining why they threw so much mud at a man like Bill Barr with the history and the reputation he has. What's the most dangerous thing? Here's the thing. They didn't throw a lot of mud and stuff into Bill Barr with his reputation. It's because he's one of their guys and he was supposed to stop it. This is why they're saying he tapped them. Barr didn't tap Durham. Durham was already in place. It was already ongoing. They knew it. Barr was supposed to stop it and he didn't. He went along with, the, and he, like he said, he chose his words carefully. I go by the rule of law, and by the rule of law, there is no law that says you should stop an investigation because you're now the attorney general. And they don't like that, and they're all going to Comey Island. Nonstop flight to Comey Island, a.k.a. Gitmo, coming soon. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. 
So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world is mypillow.com Welcome back to the Tori Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. I'm going to remind you what people were saying when Matt Whitaker became acting attorney general. Specifically, the Daily Beast, the one that loves Q so much, said, specific and excuse my French, he's an effing fool, said one trial attorney inside the Justice Department in regards to Matt Whitaker. He spent so much time trying to suck up to the president to get here, but this is a big job. It comes with many responsibility. He just simply doesn't have the withdrawal. What? So Whitaker's ascension to the rank of top law enforcement officer in the country has been as swift as it has been controversial. A former U.S. attorney turned conservative media pundit, he served for months as former AG Jeff Sessions' chief of staff before being appointed to fill his old boss's post. We've seen this over and over again with the Trump administration. They never vet this people, said one former official from the DOJ. It shows that they don't really have a strategy when it comes to these things. And then they end up having to backtrack. Well, here's the thing. The chief of staff. Pretty interesting. Because if you listen to one of the attorneys that is at the DOJ, what they said and quoted said, when I first encountered Matt, I thought he was a bright-eyed guy who struck me as someone packaged in a very soft of good old farm boy football player package. He was not a know-it-all. He asked a lot of questions, and he really wanted to carry out the job effectively. <laughs> Here's the thing. He was very effective because what he did was he literally – uh, put together the U.S. attorney's teams, the prosecutors for sessions. He picked them. He selected them. He vetted them. He appointed them. And this is how we know, this is how we know that this was all planned. It was all planned, all of them. And here's, here's the deal. How do you see it? You see it in the way that they're responding to the news of it breaking. But like I said yesterday and the day before yesterday, the problem here is from the words that you see from dang Nick. Dang Nick is really upset. He's like, what is going on here? Why do we need that? 
We see it from Clapper, who says, why do we need other prosecutors? We already have the OIG. But like you heard on Ingram, and like we've said before, the Office of the Inspector General cannot issue indictments or prosecute people. The Office of the Inspector General, the only thing they can do is make referrals and point out discrepancies. That's all they can do. And uh, I retweeted recently, earlier today, uh, Colonel Rob Manis. He's retired. Uh, great guy. He said, given the newly revealed State Department meeting note showing that the FBI Director Comey and the Justice Department were warned 12 days prior to the FISA application that Steele's motivation and information was purely political, I renew my call. Investigate Barack Obama deputies meeting team. Pretty interesting because I've said that before. And this is what is being checked by Durham. See, Baker and Comey, they need to find out because remember, Comey said he only met with uh, President Obama three times. And two of those we know for a fact are before he was appointed FBI director where he had a meeting and then after. And then again in January of 2017. So he wants us to believe that he never met with Obama discussing the Steele dossier, even though we've seen from the text that they've been talking about it. Now, the colonel had uh, tweeted out that instead of uh, sending the subpoena to Don Jr., Senate Intel needs to send a subpoena to Susan Rice, Comey, John Brennan, Clapper, and Biden as they were the deputies meeting driving the Russia collusion counterintelligence hoax. Hmm. Hold on a second. They were driving the meetings. They were part of the big meeting that Obama hosted. Exactly. So I agree with the colonel here. But this is something that I've said many, many times before. That in in the end, we will see that we will have, we will have an impeached president. And that president that will be impeached is Barack Hussein Obama. Not only impeached for what Brennan did to ensure that his information was intact. Why do you think he left the United States? Why do you think he left government work just prior to Obama's appointment? I should have seen it. I was boots on the ground with that clown. Should have seen it. But he ensured to make sure that all the information was intact and that it was ironclad to bring uh, Hussein to power within the United States. So we're not talking about all the concealment, the discussions with Pakistan, the discussions with Kenya, and how he used his private firm in Luxembourg to obfuscate and manufacture information that would be used to prop up a candidate. No, no, no. Nobody saw this. And then the minute he's, he's, he's in office, what happens? Brennan comes back and he joins the United States ranks once again. This is where you need to focus. And you also need to focus who Brennan was rolling with. I wrote about this months and months ago. The person who invested in his firm, big, big, big Muslim Brotherhood money. Big Muslim Brotherhood money. People are not paying attention to the little, little nuances that indicate exactly what's going on. Before 2020, we will have impeachment proceedings on Barack Hussein Obama. And you know what? Maybe after 2020, because there's so many people not seeking re-election and that may be removed prior to their ability to resign and or finish their term that ends in 2022 for some of them. And we're talking Republicans. Forget the Democrats. They're done. They're toast. 
they are complete toast because the United States of America has people that are tired of this. They are tired of the corruption. And as we can see from Clapper's statements, he is now throwing all responsibility to Comey. He's putting it on them as if they've done correct. And keep in mind, for some reason, even the right conservative media is propping up the clown Coates. Dan Coates is not an honorable man. Dan Coates is not someone you want in your field. Dan Coates is a snake, a complete snake. And he should not be propped up because he spoke badly about our president in 2017, August 2017, at the cyber conference. He mocked him. He mocked him when he said, well, the president's kind of on the camp that is not Russia and China, when we all know it's Russia. And he was mocking him, and now you're propping him up. Dan Coates was in that meeting. Dan Coates signed on the renewals of the FISA warrants. Dan Coates was with Rod, with Pence, and with um, McCabe, and all of them discussing all these. You guys, they are so connected. And there's so much to gut and remove, it's ridiculous. But, you know, we have clowns like Haspel and Coates in place in order to use them. It's better to have a compliant enemy than to have an enemy go rogue, right? And it's better to have a compliant enemy without everybody else knowing that they're a compliant enemy. So that way you can get more. Now, shifting a bit gears, because time has escaped me completely today... I wanted to talk about the fake news media. More so, I guess. I want to laugh a little bit and keep it a little bit lighthearted because a lot's coming out. If Doug Collins has actually put this Baker transcript up now, you know it's coming. The fact, like I said, the fact that they dropped JD's name now is a big deal. It means it's all coming. And this could make sense as to the delay of the Comey hearing, uh, Comey announcement of the indictment because they're coupled. I mean, what better way than to give a big, huge boom, right? So here it is. Here is Brian Stentler being really, really upset. And he's so upset that OAN is gaining traction, a company that he says, nobody knows, nobody cares. I've been watching OAN for a while. He's just jealous because OAN CEO is actually quite an approachable guy. Robert's a really nice guy, has really good communication with various journalists and his own people. And he mocked him for it. He actually said, you know, um, you know, th- that he keeps, you know, tweeting to the president, you know, we applaud you, we do this. And he's like, oh, uh, they're benefiting from Trump's promotion. You benefited from Obama's promotion. That was your bread and butter. You had him all the time there and you praised him. The only thing you didn't do is show the public your real brown nose when you were talking about him. Take a listen to his reliable sources segment where, um, you know, He calls into Fox and slams, where President Trump slams his Fox critics, too. I mean, and it's only fair. It's no fair. For your worst sore throat pain, try new Vicks. Gosh darn it. It's not candy. CNN is so desperate for money, they just spam you with ads, don't they? (laughs) I don't see that on OAN. They're so desperate. You just get ads like crazy. So here they are talking about it. Take a listen. Uh, do you think David Zerwick, the president, is trying to drive a wedge between his friends at Fox and his critics? Because the president's also on tour this weekend criticizing Judge Andrew Napolitano, uh, who has suggested the yes. president clearly tried to commit obstruction of justice, criticizing Shepard Smith. Is he trying to drive a wedge between news and opinion? What's going on there? Well, speaking of uh, 
uh, old tricks. Um, that's his oldest trick. I mean, it's the oldest one. Reward those who kiss up to you and say exactly what you want to say and punish like hell anybody who dares to criticize you. Ask Megyn Kelly how that works. Yes, exactly. What a great, what, yes, exactly. Look at what he did to her when she was at Fox and how ugly that was. And by the way, how Roger Shales, or Roger Ailes let that happen. Yeah. Um, we shouldn't forget how that, how that went down. I mean, whatever you feel about Megyn Kelly, that was brutal. They brutalized her. Brian, I think your, your point is really important because what he says does matter. It carries weight. That bully pulpit. Part of the reason, yes, should we have a policy discussion? Yes. But have you ever been confronted by some of these people? We, we're also talking about violence, right? I've been confronted in my face with people who believe the crazy things that he says about black okay, people. Okay, this is Democrats. Karen Finney. It's terrifying. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm turning that off. I can't watch that anymore. It's just so sad. Take a listen, okay? Now, they're saying that President Trump slams people that criticize him, and he likes people that just kiss his butt. I'm going to tell you a story. So there is a radio show host that I know that comes from North Dakota that was actually at the White House. They actually went to the White House with the North Dakota State University football team. And a really good friend of mine, a journalist, Chris Berg, I follow him. You should follow him. He's great. He's awesome. And he works for Valley News Live um, in Fargo. Anyway, so they were there. So um, they were actually shocked that that I hadn't come up, you know, just because I'm from North Dakota. And I was like, okay. Um, not really, but they, they you know, I, I have friends within the white house that were, you know, expecting to see my face. And so here's the funny part. They told me that this guy, this radio show host, such a tool, such a deep state tool. Seriously, guys, he's like a rhino microphone. Let's just say his first name is Scott. Okay. You know what? I don't care about calling people out. His name's Scott Hennon. Like, okay, do you guys know me as someone that holds tongue? No. So Scott Hennon goes down there, and all he's doing is kissing the president's behind. All he's doing, the only thing he didn't do is something explicit right there and get on his knees. That's how bad it was. And so my my friends from, from D.C. were kind of like, oh, my gosh, this guy is, like, horrible. And I was like, well, you know, and that's one thing President Trump loathes. He hates people that are there just stroking him and stroking him and stroking him. What President Trump likes is people that see, understand, and provide constructive criticism and discussion and treat him like a man that he is and a leader that he is. That is all he wants. That is all he, he, he asks for. Kind of like me. I love to sit and debate. But the respect I show you, you show me. At the point that you have no self-respect and you're just talking to me and, and, and kissing my butt, I have no respect for you because you have no respect for yourself. So that is completely wrong. That assessment was wrong, wrong, wrong. Napolitano, he's always been a tool. He's never like anyone who considers him conservative is completely insane. So that was a very bad example. Shepard, I think he's just on there for like demographics. Like this guy's a clown. He has nothing to say that's correct. And he goes talking points MSM. Let's be honest. Brian Settler writing up this article saying the cable network that is foxier than Fox and that Trump is promoting is showing just how jealous and desperate they are. You know, aside from the fact that I've, I, I, I was actually um, blocked at some point by Brian Settler because I had made this gif of his face posted on the Truffle Shuffle Boy. 
Because <laughs> that's what he reminds me of anyway. And um, I urge all of you to look at Mark Dice's dubs of Brian Settler talking. Totally awesome. So he is very jealous. He knows that it's only a matter of time before CNN is eradicated. And he loathes One American News, which I've been watching for as long as I can remember. As long as they've been up, I've been watching them. And he's jealous because they provide hard facts. They're not swayed by political acumen. If something the president does is wrong, you better believe that OAN will report it. They will be critical. If something that the uh, Trump administration does wrong, they will be critical. That's the difference between news and not real news. We have CNN being critical of everything Trump and nothing on the Democrat side. None of them have questioned the mental faculties of Pelosi, who constantly slips and calls President Trump Bush. None of them have come forward to say, well, Pelosi, you shouldn't be asking about, you know, the 25th Amendment and stuff. I mean, neither should you, Maxine. You guys are a little bit far-fetched, you know, and you're kind of loose and gone. You know, none of them talk about it. None of them talk about the fact that they were pushing a conspiracy theory all this time. None of them came out and said, you know what, we were duped. No, because they weren't. They were being paid. It's pay media, paid placement media. That's what it is. None of them. When OAN was talking about the Obama administration, they were highly critical and then highly applauding things that were done that were correct. And I can only, I can't even think of one. I'm just saying it because I'm pretty sure he probably did something good at one point. So, uh, you know, CNN, on the other hand, would Brown knows the Obamas like nobody's business? Would Brown knows Clinton like everybody knows Clinton took out Foster? Nobody's talking about it. Everybody knows Bill Clinton is a rapist. Nobody's talking about it. They're sitting there stroking their ears and their egos and they're feeding you garbage. And then when people that are honest, people that report facts come out, they're jealous and they try to bury them. This article did nothing for CNN. In fact, it reinforced the notion of just how corrupt they are. I mean, he was even calling out how, you know, um, Robert Herring tweets out to the president, our staff, thank you for all you do, President Trump. Why not, Brian? You, I'm pretty sure that if I filter through CNN tweets, you're going to be saying thanks, Obama, a lot of times. But you know what? That's not the issue. The issue is, is that Brian Stelter will throw a freaking black tie party and squeal like a little girl if Zucker even looks his way and waves from across the room. His CEO doesn't care about him. He's nothing to him. Far removed. So anyway, today I've been a little bit all over the place because there's so much to talk about. And I don't want structure, obviously, because then I'm refrained from putting out my own train of thought, I would say. But what we have here now as a Wednesday, as a hump day, as a WTF Wednesday, because did you guys see how England uh, police, a police department in England tweeted out a picture of guns and a spoon and a fork saying that they've collected mass weapons. Have you guys, have you guys seen that? This is Wednesday. So recap today as Wednesday, May 15th is we've just discovered that Durham was appointed back in 2018 as a fact. So it wasn't Barr that tapped him. Done. Obviously, Baker was under criminal investigation for leaks then, so grand juries were going on at that point. And so this coming out about John Durham now is putting their feet to the fire that it's here 
It's coming. This is how we warn you. If you want to run, you best get going now. If you want to resign, best to do it now. This is showing the Democrats, like dang Nick, that in his own state, his own state legislators, his own U.S. attorneys in his state, his marshals do not have any loyalty to him, do not say anything to him. And what does it tell you? Zero leaks because we had expert plumbers. That's done. Deep state gone. Iran, fake news. They are trying to make it look like we're going to war with Iran. We have Ilhan Omar saying, oh my gosh, we're going to war with Iran. It's not Iran. I'm telling you now, and in a few months you'll be like, well, you were right again. It's going to be Turkey. It's going to be Turkey. These proxies things, they're the only ones saying it. We're not sending troops for Iran. We need to be attentive. We are examining what is going to come. Turkey is broke. They are printing their own currency. Their economy is collapsing. We are now putting pressure on the EU to stop getting energy direct from Russia, which means they will be fully dependent on Turkey. Turkey doesn't have any contracts that can expand to more than what percentage they're buying from Russia, which means that they will be providing Iranian oil, which means that the EU can't buy it, which means Turkey's economy will further collapse. And so who's going to lash out? It's not going to be Iran. It's going to be Turkey. Iran's got insurance policies on everyone. Everyone keeps forgetting. They keep talking about Obama sending cash with a plane for them to launder, but they keep forgetting that that $1.6 billion wasn't for Iran's pocket. It was to pay ISIS. It was to pay Hamas. It was to pay Al-Qaeda. It was to pay all these proxies that aren't even pushing Iranian interests but foreign interests. Forgetting that Angela Merkel sent a plane with cash to Iran too shortly after Barack Hussein Obama did. It was in 2017, January of 2017. Look it up. She sent a plane with hard, cold cash to Iran. So here is what is going to go down. Turkey is the one that's going to wiggle their butt. And then the bottom line is, the minute they get out of place, it's not going to be the U.S. that's going to stop them. It's going to be Russia coming down from the north. Hence, the importance of a great relationship with Russia, especially in the region. Because the EU, NATO, they won't allow us to hang out anymore. They're upset. We're cutting it off. You want sanctions on Russia, then you need to stop taking it from the direct pipeline, Germany. Oh, you caught us. Okay. Well, we'll just stick to the pipelines we have coming in from Turkey. Yeah, but see, Turkey's buying a lot of their crude oil and their gas and stuff. It's coming from Iran and Qatar. And it's not like... When it comes from Qatar and goes through the pipeline, then you could say, that's Qatari oil, that's Iranian. They kind of all go. So, you know, that's a problem. We can't do that. Well, then Germany can't buy oil from Turkey. And Turkey's going to go to Russia and say, I need a better contract. Turkey's going to say, pay me. Pay me. And Turkey's going to say, I don't have money. I'm broke. And Russia's going to say, well, too bad. You're only getting this much from our previous contract. And that's it. And Turkey's going to say, I'm broken. We're only getting Iranian. Fine, Europe. I'm not giving you anything. Then Europe is going to have to keep buying oil from who? The Saudis and the Americans. In the meantime, Turkey is going to starve. And Turkey is going to go full out war. And the S-400s are to be delivered in July. Pretty interesting. This is all escalating really quickly. And yet you have the media pandering that it's going to be Iran. It's going to be Iran. When it's just them warmongering. They're labeling Bolton, President Trump, and Pompeo as warmongers, where they're the only ones talking about war. The USS Lincoln was not by chance there. 
Pompeo hopping to Iraq was not by chance there. The fact that Turkey is meeting with the president next month is not by chance to happen. So you're going to meet with Russia, but you're going to swing by Belgium? You met with Russia already at the Arctic Council. You talked with Lavrov for about an hour and a half. Why make it official? Because, because Turkey is going to be the one that's going to wiggle it. And Turkey is going to be the initiator of this new war. And you're going to see it happen. Iran is just a money front. That's all we want. We want to know who's funding these terrorist groups. We want to know so we can hold them accountable. We want to know so we can pull their pants down in front of the world on the world stage to say, these people have been paying terrorists. These people have been pushing refugees down your throat. These people have been destroying your nations, your heritage, your population, your society. These people in Iran has the keys to the kingdom. Be honest. Do do you really think that the United States is the referee of all nations? No, they're not. We have interests. Like Venezuela, yes, the people are oppressed. Great job. Let's liberate them so they can make some money. We can make some money and we can use this 383-year reserves worth of oil that Venezuela has because the Saudis are running out, the Iranians, the Iraqis, the U.S., we don't have as much oil as you do, and we need the right government there so we can all do business. It's all about business. It's all about harmonious coexistence and to allow for diversity. Because bottom line is, if Iran wasn't money laundering and Iran wasn't paying all these terrorist groups themselves, all these mercenaries themselves, we would not get involved in their internal politics. But like I said, in 1978, Peter Strzok's daddy, Peter Strzok II, because everybody keeps saying he's the first, he's actually the second, was the one that installed the people that we see now ruling Iran. And the purpose for that was to ensure that there was a good washing machine hidden behind a hard wall so nobody can see what's going on. Why else do you think that Obama gave him $1.6 billion? Because President Trump was going to be elected. Someone else was possibly going to be elected, and we needed terrorists to infiltrate the United States and perpetuate the downfall of the Western civilization. Now, on that note, I bid you all a very good evening. I've tweeted out the link to Doug Collins' transcript. I will be plowing through that all day today. Have yourself a wonderful night. I'll see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 on Red State Talk Radio, who is, by the way, America's number one talk radio station. God bless. God bless.